Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Warning. 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 Trigger alert. She about to say some real shit. All right, we're rolling. Are we rolling? Okay. Hey, Brad. Hi. Nice to see you. Happy fall. <laughs> Happy fall to you. <laughs> um, Did you have a good summer? I had a crazy summer, so I broke my leg again. I broke nice. My- <laughs> nice work. <laughs> but um, I'm- Should we Instagram a picture of that gnarly knee? That not Right. If you want to see my knee- <laughs> Check out my uh, my Instagram. It's it's up there somewhere. Um, but I am walking and moving and doing physical therapy and getting my shit together. Right. I'm slowing down. I'm looking before I step. <laughs> you only look a little bit like a pirate. Totally. <laughs> I'm like, if someone's got a handrail, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, what? How crazy? Who uh, rebreaks their patella? Uh, I don't know. Professional skateboarder. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's me. Is that what you were doing? <laughs> Is that what you were doing? You know, of course, I was. Um, I skate through life. Wait, ma- so have you made up the lie yet of how it happened? Because it was such a lame way that it happened. Since I know how it happened. Oh, the second break. <laughs> yeah, you need to make up the lie. Um, like you kicked a mugger. Totally, I kicked a mugger and they karate shot my knee. And then I, yeah, I just, you kicked a motorcycle <laughs> that was going sixty miles an hour. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can talk about. It. I have MTA court tomorrow, Ooh. so let's just we'll, we'll right, just let's wait. let it ride. We'll let it ride. But um, the second break I did in my house, and there's there's no one uh, there's no one to sue. <laughs> Except myself, I know. Um, and believe me, I am, am I, suing myself with like personal. Um, you well, know. What about your son? Could you sue your son for the second break? Wasn't it a I toy mean, or something? I or maybe you don't want to talk about it. I <laughs> am going to sue him <laughs> and my husband and the cat. Like fuck all of them. <laughs> the cat first. Oh, that's right. Wait till you guys hear from my lawyer. Cat suit. I mean, it's really the cat's fault. It's always the cat's fault in my book. Uh, Ask the dog. That's right. It was the cat. But you know what? Dogs snitch on you and cats don't. What? That's the difference. Right? Cats set you up, though. But do you see cats working for the NYPD? No. No, they're not. They are not sniffing or anything out. They're not putting their Because they're working for the NSA. No, they're working for me. (laughs) Okay. We don't talk to cups. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia's pussy po- posse. That's what the pussy posse That's is. That's right, the pussy posse. The NY uh, pussy department. <laughs> We're taking over. <laughs> so I've had kind of a fucked up summer, but I'm getting better. Yeah. And it's all about autumn 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back on uh, the Bernie campaign trail. 
Oh, wow. Right? Really? Yeah. So I've been asked to be an artist for Bernie Sanders again. Oh. So if you guys Propping want- up those old white men. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Listen, got to rep the tribe. Got to rep the tribe. I, I mean, I really would- uh, Ideally, I want a woman. I just don't think we're ready for that right. yet. So I got to just go with- you the best go candidate, right? The best candidate that is socially acceptable to people who hate women, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I'm rolling with you guys now. <laughs> I'm telling you, I give me a misogynist any day. I'll just change his mind, right? You yeah. ever see that meme? Like, um, you know, all skateboarders are asshole. Change my mind. No. Oh, well, you need to be on Instagram more. Um, <laughs> That's what everybody says. Yes, yes, yes. You, I think you would be brilliant if you um, cared. If I but contributed. You're just, uh, you know, you're a real life dude. I'm like a casual you're like, user. Yeah, casual. I'm not addicted. Thank I, God. I don't have an addictive personality. You know, I can get really into Instagram and then I also can like not look at it for like an entire week and be like, I don't fucking care right. about your lunch. And about your bad t-shirts and <laughs> about your selfies. I just, I, and then other times I really care. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, I mean, it's their necessary replacement for Facebook because I can't go there at all anymore. Oh, Facebook is horrible. Right. It's just people complaining. Yeah. And um, you know who is like number one Facebook crazy, crazy, crazy? And I love him. My sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pete Tyler. Pete Tyler. Remember Pete Tyler from No Tell? Punk Rock Pete. Punk Rock Pete. So Punk Rock Pete is dad of two beautiful teenagers, and he's an EMT, and he's great. And he is just on there ready to fight anybody who um, he thinks, you know, supports Trump. He's really, really? he's like hardcore. He's aggro. And do you, um, he lives with Ziggy, who doesn't go by Ziggy anymore. No Goes by Jamie. I ran into Ziggy a couple of years ago. I came out to- And he's like, don't call me Ziggy. Did he say, don't call me Ziggy? I can't remember. I know. I'm like, Ziggy! He's like, Ziggy. I'm like, He was doing, he was (laughs) shooting a band. He was like, because he does Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a really, he's doing really, really well. Yeah, yeah, such a like, I was so dislocated when I saw him. I'm like, wait a minute, dude. You're Ziggy. But Pete Tyler is number one Facebook commentator. Tater, keep up the good the good work, Pete. Fight the good fight, Pete. You know he's on. He's he's definitely on our team. He's he's fought some good fights, throwing shitheads out of the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now he's EMT on the other side of on the other side of the fist. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, blessings. Patch him up. Um. But yeah, Facebook is crazy. It's for crazy people. And, you know, like I'm on Facebook just to see like my friend's kids and share pictures of my kids. Like I don't have like a lot of friends. I keep trying to, I mean, I, when I first started using it, used it for what it was supposed to be for, which was like to hook up with like my old like high school crew and college people. And you're like, now I know why I don't. Like I wouldn't put any, I didn't, I still don't have any family members as friends. I just wanted to use it for like, and that's what I thought it was supposed to be that's for. That's what it is for. Yeah. Right. Like, and I don't I ever want to see. back to that, but I can't even go on anymore. Every right. time I go on, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. I thought I muted you. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of oversharing. I don't know why people use it as like a substitute therapy. Yeah. They do. Exactly they, do. they do. They like kind of 
verbally or they're not verbally. I guess it's 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 words. Um, they t- they type vomit their feelings and then it's sort of a permanent record yeah, yeah, of yeah. that moment that is not yeah. what you want people to remember you by no, it's a good it's a good analogy it's like digital therapy and it's but they're talking to no one they're talking to a wall yeah. and and it's hollow and all the sort of like fake support fake friendship because it's easy oh don't feel bad that you did the right thing blah 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 yeah. takes one second and you never think about it again and then you think this person is there really they're supporting you but they're not they're just weighing in too yeah it's it's really it's, it's messed time up is, it's time has come and the other and in, facebook the other interesting thing so Inst- instagram is facebook it's mm. owned by facebook and now you can sort of like join the feeds or whatever is they're desperately trying to clean up instagram Right. There's no, no really. right. No sexual from, content because right. they want to let children right. on there. Oh, they want to let get them children, while they're young, get them on. Right. Get the, them sort of feeding into all of that bullshit. Um, and I think that's like the, the major plan is that they want to keep it like, get it really clean and then, okay, you can be 12 and go on here. Yeah. But no, no, no. The old, also known as the camel cigarette ploy. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's a, that's a little bit disturbing. I read an article that said that American kids want to be famous YouTube stars and Chinese kids of the same age want to explore space. (laughs) Okay. What do we do? We're doing, we're doing something wrong over here. Yeah. And China's, they've. Their sole purpose is to be the main superpower by they have a year they have a agenda for it too. I was just reading about this. I was in China. I know you were just in China. So were you affected at all by um Yes, by the by the demonstrations. The riots and the and the demonstrations. So when we flew in we went to this is Hong Kong, but yeah, we uh they were they were these super friendly, cute protesters were at the airport, and my uh, brother in law, who's a journalist, he's like, "Oh yeah, those are we call them the air conditioned protesters because they want to go do the demonstrations that are air conditioned." So they went to the airport. Oh really? Yeah. There's like you have like I don't know. I think he, he climate may control. Just my butt. All right, <laughs> but obviously the air Hong Kong is hotter than fucking anything you've ever experienced. Okay, he was trying to convince me that you know I was like, dude, I've lived in New York for like you know almost 30 years and like it's hot in the summer he's like no no you don't understand and i got there and it was fucking hot it's like it jungle so right hot. it's like boiling it was hot. so Humid. you walk out and it's just like a blanket of heat is wrapped around your whole body so is everything air conditioned yeah tons of air conditioning but the um but anyway these protesters at the airport were like super sweet really cute like like handing out these cute little flyers and and then it started to get a little hairy. And then the middle of, you know, we were there 10 days and like the fourth or fifth day, they shut down the airport. And we were like, oh, should we start looking at schools? 
<laughs> right. We live here now. Yeah. We're not leaving. Um, but no, it straightened out. And it actually, everything worked to our advantage because like we did a couple like touristy things and there were nobody, there's nobody there. Right. Because people don't want to go yeah. because of the, right. Like there was, we went to like this big amusement park, I guess, that a lot of mainland Chinese go to and it was empty. It was fucking great. Wow. <laughs> and a couple other things like that, like in some museums and stuff. So it actually all worked in our favor. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Let's talk about our guest today. Let's talk about our guest. This is a great podcast. I yeah, this is fun. So Kunle, I've known Kunle. I'm gonna say twenty years or like whenever a life opened. I guess I think it was ninety nine. Yeah, probably, yeah. Sounds about right. Maybe it was two thousand. But Kunle was sort of the reason um, I got interested in podcasting because. He had a podcast, right. which you all should check out on SoundCloud. It's very political and very funny. He was doing political commentary before everybody in the entire fucking world was. Right. And it was coming from uh, a very different voice and um, idea set. So it was incredibly interesting in my humble opinion. And then he decided not to do a podcast. <laughs> and I stopped doing podcasts. And then I was like, okay. Everybody's like, you're not on podcast anymore. You should do a podcast. I was like, okay, I'll do a podcast. Yeah, so All in right. a way, he's totally responsible he's for this totally show. responsible for this podcast. Shout out to Coonies. But I've watched Kunle sort of change from like a young, very angry man and I'm not saying he didn't have a right to be angry because I think he certainly did. Yeah. Um, someone who is really like sort of fighting for his place to an incredibly talented, wonderful, kind, good 30 something year old man now <laughs> yeah. who's has a like very promising and burgeoning art career. Yeah. And I'm super um, excited to have you guys listen to this show. So let's jump on in. Here he is. Ear snot. Ear snot. <laughs> Iraq crew. Close the thing. It's like, no, no, and there's no, whatever. I don't there's care. no vaping. Oh, no, no fine. vaping signs in here. If they really right. didn't want me to vape, they should have put signs in here. <laughs> no, there's no, no vaping signs. There's no, there's no, no stabbing signs. Do you notice? I do you <laughs> I notice, notice people vaping all in the subway and like on subway yeah, trains? It's, it's great. It's not smoking. It's not smoking. But I'm like, really? Do I have to smell your mango fucking jewel? <laughs> if you can, that's a testament to your nostrils. Yes. You could be smelling something worse on the Ma subway. It's <laughs> it's true. It's about to be on and popping. Oh, I like the little bling blow. My son is like, Mommy, you have a hole in your tooth and it looks horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a crystal. Like, it's supposed to look like a diamond. And he was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he could not wait to tell me about my uh, bad dental hygiene because, uh, you know, Who, I'm on his ass. How old is he now? He is eight, and he broke his wrist scootering. Um, That's a good age to break your wrist. Which brings me to, ha have you ever broken some bones? Uh, yeah, I um, broke 
broke is like, you know, an understatement. My uh, left ankle on Delancey Street, I was sketching on a truck. I just come back from picking up fronts from Canal Street while I was working at A-Life and I was going back to the store. So on company time, um, personal errand because... You know, early 2000s. That's, that's, that's what, what we did. That's what, yeah. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> and I was sketching on the back of a big truck headed for the Williamsburg Bridge, flying down Delancey. And the truck, which was very big, came like um, extremely close to the parked cars. Mm-hmm. On and the, you got like wedged in? I did. Well, I don't think I did because I let go before that. And it was like it was going too fast and Delancey Street was too... Um, Crazy. Rough of a mm-hmm. street to just try and like, you know, um, wing it. So I was holding on to the truck because I needed to. And I would have let go at the proper time, you know, um, which was not when I let go. And um, that part I don't remember, like what happened, whether I got like, you know. I mean, I guess I did because I have like a little hip, hip, like a little um, scar to mm. remind me. Mm. But that could also have been. Anyway, I woke up in the middle of um, Orchard. And Delancey, not woke up, but like the next thing I remember, I was in the middle of Orchard and Delancey and I was trying to get up to get my skateboard and like kind of like hobble off. And like my foot was, um, the skin was attached to the, to, to my, 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 the rest of my leg, but like the bone wasn't. So it was like twisting around left and right. And like, I was still trying to like hop away and some guy got out of his like red, like eighties sports car. It turned out to be like an off duty fireman. And he, like, pushed me back down on the floor and, like, basically sat on me and was like, no, no, you have to wait for an ambulance. I called an ambulance. It's like, stay here. And I was like, <laughs> and I kind of felt like I had been shoplifting. You're like, no, I'm going to get up. He's like, I'm just going to sit on you. <laughs> right. I felt like I had been, like, writing graffiti or shoplifting. And so I, like, wanted to get out of there. Right, you know right. what I mean? And he was like, no, stay. And I'm like, that's not my instinct. You yeah. know, but um, I, there was I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't going anywhere. Right, you I couldn't. To, you were right. You needed to to be uh, completely. And my fancy jeans, Beth Israel cut them off. I was like, no, 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 I can pull them off. Look, I can still do that part. They're like, they. He was so annoyed that I wanted to like not have my jeans ripped up. Well, just f- funny you should mention that. No, no, I, I mentioned it because the same thing happened to you. Like, the same thing happened, and I. But I was wearing your jeans. Yeah. <laughs> And they were like, cut them off. And I was like, wait a minute. These are ear snot. Which for sure- de Garcon, for Supreme. Like, no one's cutting these. Like, no. They were so annoyed with me. They were like, we're cutting them off, dick. And I was like. Ugh. You're like, uh, how How am I supposed to go home? Like, like <laughs> you see what happened to my foot? Do we really need to add anxiety to but this But you know what? I understand. They don't want you to have to, like, lift your pelvis no, and, like, wiggle off. They're, like, covered in blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I've seen movies and TV shows about hospitals. I get why they do that. It's like, you know. But they're, it, it's, they're concerned, it's obnoxious. This is fashion, isn't. honey. This yeah, is no, fashion. I know. They don't. <laughs> okay. And I would imagine that over time that, that request has been made more and more often because people are wearing more and more... Um, expensive and, and important clothes to them so it's like um i guess you know but whatever like at, at, at one point i'm sure they just thought people were crazy and like like you know hysterical like oh don't cut this like come on we have to save your leg or whatever like we're not concerned with your life right how it's expen- frivolous it's frivolous how expensive could they be right it's frivolous so was that your only break um when i was like in first or second grade i was like walking on a banister in front of my school and uh, I fell off. I was like balancing myself, like walking mm-hmm. on the banister or whatever after school. And like, I like fell and um, 
landed on like a stack of uh, board games. My wrist landed, like you know, like I like landed on my, mm-hmm. you know, and like I couldn't write. I it was your it right was, hand? I think it was my left hand, but I was like trying to write with because I have a memory of later trying to write with my left hand and I couldn't, or trying to write with my hand and I couldn't. So I think it was I was either. Uh, it was either my right hand and I was trying to write with my left hand or it was my left hand and I was like trying to see if I could r- even write with my left hand that I had just injured. I don't even know which hand it was because, uh, you know, of other injuries throughout time. It's like it's, they're both kind of um, in the same boat now. Um, so it's like, I, you know. Because you are sort of a fan of danger and <laughs> and doing sort of like extreme extremely dangerous things as I'm I'm not judging. I like to do extremely dangerous things too, or I did I used to like that. Right. Yeah. I don't know how much I like it anymore. You know, there was a time where um, it's like, you're too much of a pussy to actually kill yourself, but you um, definitely like testing the boundaries of like life. And like, you don't really, you know, it. you're addicted to adrenaline and you're, you need to make everything, uh, Exciting. And have drama and like, you know, so just, you know, riding uh, a bike that has no brakes, like through traffic at 30 miles an hour seems like a great idea um, (laughs) for years and years in a row um, without a helmet or anything, even though, you you know, people that get killed or get their teeth knocked out or whatever or worse, you know, comas, death, you know. Sure. Um, But it's like, no, no, I got this, you know. or I, I continue to like skateboarding, like ride, you know, on the back of um, cars and trucks. Um, but I mean, that was like the only accident I had. Um, so did it did it make you stop? Was that like the defining moment where you were like, I can't like hold on to like zooming trucks? No, no, anymore? I continue to do that. You like that was just a fluke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was just, that was a, just a bad day. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> and again. it kind of was. It's kind of <laughs> like a race car driver. It's like you know, uh, if you're a race car driver and that's what you do for a living. I'm sure you can avoid, um, barring any unforeseen um, errors from other drivers, you can basically, like, if you wanted to, if your goal was to play it safe and not win, but to play it safe, you could, like, you know, just be in the safest possible position and, like, stay out of danger at all times. And so there is a um, uh, room there to, like, hold on to the back of a car and, like, you know, minimize the... Um, you can minimize the danger. I was not minimizing that day. I was, like... You were maximizing. Super stoned and uh, had my fronts in my mouth needed to get back to the store so everybody could see those. And, um, you know, um, just, you know, enjoying enjoying the weather. It was, like, a couple of days before my birthday or something. Or maybe, like, a... Yeah, it was the day before my birthday, actually. So I was just hyped, you know, and it was just like, this is happening right now. I'm doing this. Um, and I probably done it before and gotten like really scared, but then like just kept holding on. And then, you know, eventually it slowed down or the, or the road got, you know, smoother. So I was like able to like, I was like, Ooh, that could have been. You know. So what do you think? I mean, if you look back on your life from like today, you know, going, going into the past, like what would you say was like the most dangerous scenario you put yourself in? Oh, um, it's weird when you're not trying, when someone hasn't asked you a question on air, 
you know, these things kind of like pop up randomly when you're like doing other things. Sure. Like cleaning or like. Right. You're like, damn, I know, I know. It was that, that day in May. You just like, like, you just like, wow, I fucking am dumb. I fucking did that. That was insane. Like that insane thing that I did. And right now it's like, oh, I don't know. They all kind of blend. Um, what was the most dangerous thing? I don't know. Maybe it was one of the times I was like scaling a building to like catch a tag, you know. Or like standing on a ledge trying to do a fill in that like, you know, I don't know. Or, you know, it was probably one of the times I was with someone else and they were like getting a better spot than I was getting. Well, you know, remember these little like skinny, like monkey graffiti writers that could like climb up because they were so like light, you know? Well, it's all about your feet. If your feet are small, then you can like maneuver them. I have a size 12 foot. Well, I was going to say you're like a big like, hunking man. Like, it's but more just... I mean, if I had small feet, it would be easier to balance myself on small things. Like, you know yes. what I mean? You could be like 6'4 and have little feet and just be able to like. You know. also have a very small penis if that happened. <laughs> okay? Um, what do you want? Is that, <laughs> is that a fact? Have you researched this? You want to small it? feet, small penis? That's, that's yes, not yes, just yes. an old wives tale? Well, I also, there's a there's She's a also nose. an old wife, so. <laughs> I have, okay, I've seen a lot of feet in my day. <laughs> All right. I mean, who hasn't? Let's get real here. Let's get real. Um, but yeah, no, no, I mean... Yeah, no, no, I was not a fan of um, as close to uh, dangerous. I like to live. I was not a fan of like um, writing graffiti on ledges. I just thought that was like not worth it. Or like, you know, walking along the le- uh, the edge of a roof to get to another roof and then having to walk back. It just seemed like I was really pressing it. It's My extremely luck. dangerous. No, no, g- guaranteed. And like. You know, I had friends like Dash were just like run across like he was like, you know, in a field chasing butterflies. And I'm like, like inching, you know, and I'm totally. like, this is like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't I would have a resentment the entire time. And then my graffiti would reflect that. It was just like I just wasn't psyched. And um, and looking back on that, I'm like, oh, I could have gotten my head in the game. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, mm. you know, and now I don't do like anything that I don't want to do. You know, that was like a time when you like find yourself in situations. Excuse me, I dropped my marker. Well, you know, when you're young, you have a lot to prove, a lot to prove to yourself. Yeah. And you don't really know who you are and you're like, you right. Know, you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Going about it the wrong way, though. I think that's one thing about being young is that you definitely go about trying to figure out who you are all of the wrong ways. You make all of the like wrong sort of um, decisions. In search of ultimately, like, oh, I'm just trying to, like, find how I'm going to be comfortable. So I'll be, put myself in all of the most uncomfortable situations and judge myself by the most, like, horrible people and, uh, like, make a composite of myself from all the worst things that I can see. And then, you know, I'll backtrack from that. Okay. I mean, that's basically what was going on. Like, everyone was just, like, watching, like, all of the craziest movies like, you know, reading up on all the, like, um, most insane artists and, like, writers and stuff and, like, well, like I think, looking up I, to all that know, shit. You know what, I, like, what okay, I think? Yeah, that's what I want to do. Now that I'm a parent and I'm like, how can I stop this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. how can I stop this uh, trajectory of being bad and, like, trying to find yourself in the most, like, destructive ways with my own kid? But I think in in when we were young, 
everybody was so straight. And so when you saw someone being naughty or bad or counterculture, it was so attractive. So, of course, you were drawn to it. But now counterculture is what is, is mainstream. like mainstream, right? So these kids are like nerds. Yeah, you Ethan, know Allen. I mean? <laughs> Ethan Allen, the place with the, like, the most boring like furniture on the planet has like a giant like, you know, graffiti tag NYC plastered on all of the windows. And it's like nothing in their store reflects that, but that's what they're using to sort of like, you know. Pull in the in the youth. They're down. I mean, people, they're down with street culture. It's, sure they get it's, cred. it's an economic thing. They're trying to like, yeah, they want money and this is like a way that they think they can get money. Um, and of course, I'm sure it works with on some level. So um, if they need more help with that, they can reach out to me. Obviously. That's right, Ethan Allen <laughs> times your snot. I'm really I'm into that. E times E. So wh- how, when did you start noticing graffiti, and when did it start becoming something that you felt um, driven to do? Um, I didn't really notice it, even though it was everywhere. It's like you know. Um, living in New York and not going to not doing doing touristy things I didn't uh, you know it was everywhere so I didn't care about it until I was in high school like my first two weeks of my first year um, some kid I was sitting next to in science class was tagging up all over this piece of paper and not like overlapping everything was in um, order and you could like read everything and it was like very like crispy um, and I was just you know, and proportionate and it was like all very deliberate and it was just aesthetically um, super pleasing, you know? And I was like, wow, that's dope. Can I get that? And he's like, yeah, you want this? I was like, yeah. Like, and I took it and like, I was like studying it and like looking at it. And then like the next day he was like, like, do you write? Do you know about graffiti? I'm like, no, I just, I just like the way it looks. And like, I guess within like a couple of, hours I had like picked the tag and I was like trying to practice it and the next day I was like in Dwayne Reed stealing like all sharpies and markers and stuff and like brought them to school and like was like here gave them to my to, to this guy and like he's like this is ill like where'd you like you didn't have to buy all that I was like I stole it and he's like holy shit and like without knowing that like stealing was like uh, a major component of writing graffiti. Um, but I was so bad for so long, but I really, he was so good. Right. Uh, and he, um, he remains good. He's, uh, he writes guess who RYB. And, oh yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Good. No, no. Yeah. He's, I mean like the first person it's like, you know, the first person that, um, you meet is actually somebody who's very exceptional. Like that's, that's like one of those like lucky sort of like, um, when you look back on it, from this perspective, it's like, oh, it was kind of like, you know, meant to be destiny or something. Um, and like, he was like so enthusiastic and such a nerd about graffiti in New York. And he knew like what we know now, who writers are, who, who taught them how to write, what crews are what, where they come, you know, like, and now there's like way more information. Back then there was like, you know, it was like finite. And now it just seems like it's a global thing. So it's like kind of hard to keep up. But um, back then it was like he, he could, you know, I would point, he could tell, he, you know, we would walk from to lunch from school and like, he could be like, see that tag way up there. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, that guy's the illest guy in New York. That's J A. And 
to get up to there to take that tag, he had to climb up on the fire escape and hold on to the ladder that hangs down. And I'm like, okay, you know, and it wasn't until like maybe a month later that I was like, wow, that, you know, once I started to actually catch tags, it was like, damn, he went all the way up there and did that and just caught that tag. And it looks like all the other taxi catches, it didn't look all crazy and nervous. And then, like, six months later, I'm like, wow, there's a JA tag right by my school. You know, and it's like. Sure, you start, start it, like, it, it, the becoming value, in, right. The value it, it starts It becomes to, important. Right. So what was, your ta- what was your tag? My first one, I think, was um, NERS, N-E-R-S. Um, no, I think my first one was, like, I mean, I, there was, like, the first week I had, like, I switched it, like, eight times. Because it was like, you know, that doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. I, I think I wrote three, the number three, for like a day. Um, <laughs> but then I landed on NERS for a while, and I was writing that really badly. And then I was writing KERM, K-E-R-M, for a while. Kermy. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that also lacked. And, you know, you, you choose your tags based on um, letters that you've seen other people write. You're like, oh, which is how people still do now like they will now it's even worse they will see someone else's like entire ste like they're like oh yeah and they're just like okay i'm just gonna change one letter but all of mine is gonna be all of theirs like i saw somebody like someone writes wong w-o-n-g and their entire style is wong. like wonka yeah like Wonka, and i'm like that's what you're choosing to copy well so what about the guy like Sims, yeah, that is like, Sims, right? Like that, that, he was like, it's like oh, it was crazy. That's but like it, one of Sims's styles, like not even like right. the, the one that he does all the time. Right. It's not it's his staple, one sp- but it's such a crazy, weird compliment because it's like affected that person so much, so much that they like made that into their own identity. When I wrote Kerm, right, I was like at that point like riding trains, like every train line to see like every, like all every like bit of graffiti because it somehow was better in the boroughs, you know, the rooftops and the ditches and stuff. Sure. And so I was like on the D train or something or the B train and I saw um, Topper had these like fill-ins like when you're in the station like above or not in the station when you're in between stations like there's like a um, there's the ditch that the train is in but then there's like a wall that like separates the backyards of the houses Mm -hmm. from the train yard ditch and so um, people had fill-ins on those and Topper had all these like fill-ins and his T was like Almost like it was like a butterfly kind of tea, you know, like a mm-hmm. really bad pancake shape. Um, <laughs> but it was like it had so much purpose and freedom and flow and like and my tag was Kerm and I was like, that T is my K. So I did a really bad K because I needed to do those lines. You know, right. I needed to like and I didn't know that it didn't work, but like um, and it didn't work and I knew it didn't work. But, you know, that was where I was at with that. And so. Uh, how where did Ear Snot come from? Ear Snot came from, okay, so after I started writing graffiti, like, I was still, like, a very, very much a nerd, right? The only thing I had going for me in terms of um, fucking shit up was I, I knew how to shoplift, and I would shoplift all the time. My parents sent me to the store all the time, and I would, at this point, I was, like, really, and since I was, like, five or six, but at this point, I was, like, really good at stealing stuff that I was supposed to buy and keeping money for myself. And then when I got to high school, I started, like, skipping first period and going to, like, The Gap, Eddie Bauer, um, Aeropostale, wherever, HMV, um, and stealing stuff and then going to school, right? And so... um, Remember when they had that picture of you in EMS? No, I don't. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> so, I mean, I didn't see it because I didn't go in. Oh, I'm right. not saying it wasn't there. I was like, oh. I God. never saw it. <laughs> I never saw it. I'm not saying that it wasn't something that other people could see. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but what were we talking about again? Um, ear snot. Where did ear snot come right. from? Right. So, so at one point, so I was super nerdy. I was like going to the library after school um, for some reason, like maybe with my brother. Um, I don't know why. Maybe we didn't have keys or something. I don't know. But or maybe we would just like make up an excuse why we needed to go to the library just to like be in the library. Sure. You know? And so um, they had like you know Mad magazines and just like magazines for teenagers, you know, which mm-hmm. was like um, interesting. I think it was the one on like 79th and Lex, or between Lex and Third on Upper East Side where we lived at the time. And one of the magazines was like Skateboarder and. Big Brother or something. I doubt they had Big Brother, but like whatever. I got started looking at skateboard magazines from this um, library, and I was like, and like the photos back then, the I can almost smell New York City then, right? Because the photos bring back all of the whole the whole set, the whole scene comes back. You know, the photos look different now, but. Um, like the way that they looked, you know, the way that they would catch somebody doing a trick. I had never seen, like, you know, it wasn't like a mainstream thing also. Like, um, that was not a mainstream thing. It was like very niche. And it was like, what? Like, you know, it, it, it was, again, like when I saw the graffiti on the guy's um, line notebook paper, I was like, this is a thing that people are doing? Like, this is so epic. And I like needed to do it. Like, you know, like when you see someone doing something, you can kind of, feel your muscles doing the thing that they're doing. Like you, you like kind of imitate it like mm-hmm. how kids do. It's like, like I want to do what they're doing. Like that's, that's going to be me. I'm going to do that. And, um, eventually like I stole a skateboard from Woolworth, um, the worst place to get a skateboard, but who, I who mean, knows? I was going to say, no, no, it was like <laughs> a complete and the entire thing was like probably plastic. It was horrible. Um, but it was, um, wonderful it was free. For me. Hey, hey it, get it, out of there, man. it was wonderful for me. <laughs> right. Amazing. And it was like the biggest thing I had stolen at that point, And I was like super psyched for many reasons, but the, the wheels did slide everywhere. They weren't like real skateboard wheels. So eventually I started stealing from blades. Great place to, um, Shout out to Blades. Stock up. Yo, Blades got it. Blades got it. Like when they first opened, the one person that's in there that's in the back the whole time, they would get it. But I'm sure like that was like part of like built into their business plan because- um, Of course it was. It was the 90s and like all the skateboarders were the ni- was skateboarders from the 90s. So I, you know, how much money were they making? Nothing. Like how many of the, like there were some like, you know- kids that would come in with their parents to buy shit, but that wasn't most of their business. You know what I mean? Anyway, I don't, I, so I'm basically saying, I don't know how they stayed in business. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone was stealing. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they were making money off of rollerbladers and uh, that whole scene. But because rollerblading was huge, was huge. It was the biggest thing ever. Fruit booting was the biggest thing ever, (laughs) which is a term you would think I'd find offensive, but, um, I think it's completely appropriate. Um, <laughs> so eventually I, I looked at a Big Brother magazine. Like I would steal skateboard magazines whenever I could find them and like take them home and just kind of like study them and like, you know, like they were porn magazines. And, and, um, I, in a Big Brother, I think it was, or maybe it was a slap. They had a, a music section that was called Earshot, right? And like the, the word Earshot was spread across 
two pages, like a spread, you know, and um, I guess the H was in the middle of the fold of the page, you know, so it was printed on both pages and uh, it, it looked like the gutter. It looked right. right, the gutter, and it looked like it said ear snot, right? And I'm like looking through the skate magazine. I was mostly looking at like there were sections where they had like um, uh, events or things that were sponsored by all these different skate companies, and like there were so many like skate companies that aren't around now. Like one of them was called Ass, and it was like you know two circles joined in the middle, and like a little circle in the middle of that. You know, so it was like, and I, and I would draw that. I would draw that. Like, I wanted that to be my tag, and I was like writing ass on paper and stuff. So, like, I was getting a lot of um, yes, inspo yeah, yeah. from these magazines. And then I saw like what I thought was ear snot, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, another thing that doesn't make sense, but I'm totally down. And uh, I didn't start writing ear snot eventually. Like, it wasn't until like after I ran away that it was like, because again, I was like changing my tag every once in a while. I think I wrote, um, Right before I ran away, I was like really unhappy at home, and my mother would like yell at me. And one of the words she would call me, she's from Virginia, was um, she's kind of southern. She would call me gunk, right? Like you got like she, you know how like sometimes when they're so mad at you, they just make up a word on the spot. That was one that stuck, and she was like stupid gunk, right? And which hurt so much because I could feel all the frustration and disappointment when she said it in her voice. And so I used that, you know how like you like you, you know use all that shit in mm-hmm. like a Daria kind of Darlene from Roseanne kind of way. You, like that becomes your personality. It's like yeah, I'm worthless gunk. Like you know, it's like I'll show you. And so I was writing gunk for a while, which at that point I was doing like the weird. I wish I knew the name for it. Um, you know the G that's not the the one that you you write, but you see on a typewriter. That's like got the little yes, like yes, tail yes, at the yes. top and the circle. The Double bottom. circle, like right. a, like a Q. So I was doing tags with that G, U, and K, and I was like, way better then. And that was probably my best tag, um, right? Because I was like writing it well. And then I ran away, and um, it somehow didn't seem appropriate anymore to write. I was like, whatever. And like the reason I kept switching my tags is because I didn't have any ups with any of them, right? So I right. was like, so you were fluid, right? You didn't have to like. Right, it, there was no perpetuate something, but it was like that was also I was like, oh, I need a tag that I can like really get behind and feel good about, and like you know, so um, eventually after I run away and I like go to Union Square, which I had been to after school for like a half an hour because that's all the time I could spare. Um, I like hung out there. People took me to Tompkins Square Park, where across the street there was this skate shop called Friction, that, where Dante used to work. Dante from the Source magazine, the graffiti writing Dante. Dante uh, TC5. Yeah, Dante TC5. I, I, I want to say Dante Russ, but obviously not. not That's Dante one, one of the most important people in my graffiti TC5, career, yeah. Dante TC5. Yeah, he was he was very nice and cool. And um, I think he was just happy to see like a, a black skateboarder I'm guy. I'm sure he was. And like, and, and I wrote graffiti, so he was down with that. And like, but then eventually I found Astor Place and then eventually um, Supreme. And it's like, you know, the more days I chilled, um, the like further downtown things got like Washington Square Park and then like eventually the banks and then, you know, Water Street and it was like and then like Battery Park City and like running from the parks department. But during all of that, at some point I started writing ear snot um, and like in like, again, plain typewriter letters. Right. Because I was like, I'm not good at like style or like, you know, hand style or anything. So um Huh. I'm just going to, you know, and I was a big fan of like AIM and Pea Soup and, 
MQ and Drake and people who had like these plain, bold, like, just look at this tag right now. I dare you not to read this because it's like you can't not read it. Right. Like, no matter who you are. This is not just for graffiti writers. Right. It's very legible. Super legible in your face. And I was like, I want something that, um, I mean, the word ear is not alone. If you could just see it would like be like, what? It would give the same other people the same sort of reaction that I had when I saw it. Like, what is that? You know, just like holding your brain captive for a couple of seconds. Right. Well, I mean, I remember when I moved back to New York from L.A., Brad and I were in L.A. together. Miserable. As, as people are now. As people are, right? You did. You left first. And then when I, when I came back, all I saw, and this is uh, 97, was... Just, ooh, he's real, really real? No, no, I'm just, I'm just helping add <laughs> yeah. to the... Oh, just, text, just to the 1997... The texture yeah, of yeah. the conversation. Um, was, ears not, was Ears Not in Miss 17? That's all I saw. Like, there was other graffiti, but that's all... The only thing that sort of, like, jumped out at me. Yeah. And I was like, look at this guy with a seven-letter, like... Yeah, right, that was well, the thing. Who, who yeah. Seven letters. I was making it legible, all lowercase kind it of letters, and, spaced out. Right. right. I would and, and and at that point, before I started writing Earsnot, I was like, I'm not good at graffiti. None of my tags or my latest tag at that time doesn't have any ups. Right. There were other, of course, like everyone had a tag. Right. Every raver, every skateboard, like everyone had a tag back then. It wasn't like exclusive to people who were serious about writing graffiti and like. Um, when I would write somewhere, they'd be like, oh, what do you write? And I would say this and they'd be like, okay. You know, there was not the reaction I wanted. So I gave up on graffiti, right? Like I kind of like was like, you know, uh, release it. And if it loves you, it'll come back like mode, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so when I was writing Ear Snot, it was more just like, whatever. Like, I don't care. I don't, I'm not trying to like get up. So I don't, like, it's not like my most pressing thing right now. Like I'm like, Living on the street, right? You're for just trying to like survive every day, right? stealing new clothes, trying to figure out a way to get a bacon, egg, and cheese. Um, trying to um, my friend G from high school, G K D Cope's uh, younger brother. Like right before I ran away, he took me to the corner store across the street from our school, and he was like, "You see those things behind the counter up there? Those like yellow containers? Steal those, and there's a place in the Bronx where we where I could take you." Or I'll show you where you can get seven dollars for them each, and you can have some some dough. And I was like, "Those look really big, and that sounds really stupid." <laughs> I was like, "I don't need money. I'm just going to steal everything I need, right? I, I know how to steal from supermarkets. I can steal clothes. What else? What? Why would I need money, right?" And that was my thing. And then I actually got independent, and I was like, "Cool, I need some dough." Um, so eventually, I started stealing powders, which is what we called them, the infamous. But um, uh. I didn't care about graffiti. I just wanted to like be able to chill all day without running into like issues, you know. Well, My it's biggest... also like a good time waster, right? You're like, oh, I'll just like paint for a few hours, and yeah, but like I was just more like, no, I was more into like just hanging out, like pseudo skateboarding. So where were you living? Nowhere. That's the whole point. I wasn't living anywhere. I was just hanging out all day. A lot of kids would run away for two weeks and uh-huh. break night and like not. They'd be like, oh, I ran away too. Like, and then three weeks later, they're like going home. Okay, I'm gonna go home. You guys. So you're sleeping on the train. Sleeping on the train, riding the D train back and forth, or the six train, or like one of the trains. I mean, like I started with the Green Line, and then eventually I found that the D train was the best because it took the longest to get from 
from last the A train I tried to, but that was just like horrible. Um, yeah, you end up in Howard Beach and yeah, shit. Like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> and then look, you have to get off the train. Like, you know, oh, they right. make you it get doesn't off the like train. loop around, right? Right. The D train is like it stops and then you can just stay on the train, they clean around you and it just goes back. So you ride it back and forth and it's no big deal. Um and you wake up and then there's like, you know, uh, right. rush, like hour rush hour commuters right, like right. hovering over you and you're like curled up in the fetal position, taking up two seats, literally surrounded by people who are all like looking down at you, kind of like, you know, with that look, like like what are you doing? Like what's going on here? I mean, whatever. I was wearing like, you know, so brand you, new clothes. Were and, like, you a communicating with your parents? No, I wrote a letter to my brother. Um, I know kids are like, what's that? Um, like I hand wrote a letter to my brother and um, did I ask somebody to give it to him? Maybe I went to his school. He was going to Brooklyn Tech at the time. Maybe I like went there and gave it to one of his friends to give to him or something like that. And I end the letter. I told him that I was gay or bisexual or something and like everything was fine, like whatever. I don't even know what I wrote in the letter. Um, so what? My parents got it eventually. So you. And how oh, old were you? 16. So what was the reason? Like, what was the definitive reason that you just left? You were like, was it like one, like a straw that broke the camel's well, back? Well, the straw was. So we were like, um, I'm from New York, born and raised, and we moved around a lot. So I'm like really from like the, like most of New York more. I'm from New York more than anybody else because we moved around too right. much, right? You're like, I'm every neighborhood, okay? <laughs> right? And the people are like, where are you from? And I would be like, you know, at the time I was like, oh my God, I don't have a neighborhood that I'm from. Um, and so I would just pick one. Um, and then, but so we moved around a lot. My parents would um, get into arguments in the middle of the night and like piss off the landlord or neighbors and we would have to move eventually. Or um, we would get behind in rent and like we would have to move eventually or whatever, right? So mm -hmm. there were times where we were staying in hotels or motels. Um, so at this point when I ran away, we had moved to one of those hotels in Jersey. Um, when you get outside of the Holland tunnel and you go up the ramp and you start to head like into Jersey, there's like a days in and like some other mm -hmm. like little motels, like the littlest wackest motel was the one that we stayed in. I mean, I think we stayed in the days in too for like a week or so. And then it was like, all right, we got to like scale it back. So we were in some really shitty motel. Um, I was like up in the middle of the night watching the cable. There was cable, there was HBO, right? I saw kids. I was super psyched. I got mad open. And then like in the next couple of days, I think I was like washing dishes because we had like our stuff with us. Right? right. I was washing actual dishes in the motel bathroom in the tub, right? Just like washing dishes and like, you know, just feeling like a loser, just like, you know, um, super emo um and um you know i think my parents were arguing or my mother was yelling at me calling me like whatever and like i think i like clanged a dish or dropped one and she like went off and was like like yeah and i was like maybe like crying to myself like all right forget it so i'll just make it easy on on you guys you guys don't want me around here like just telling myself all the like self pity self loathing like you know all that shit like just i'll just leave cuz i had been fantasizing about running away once i saw kids i was like that's what people are doing and i was like you know i have no idea what's going on so there was like part like i need to 
experience stuff for myself. I, I would see kids dressed like ravers, like on my way to school. I'd be like, where are they going? They get to go to school dressed like, what is going on? Kids in my school weren't dressed like that. I would like cut my pants, whatever pants they were, and sew in like triangles from shirt. I would cut out a triangle from a shirt, sew it into like the cuff of my pants. So like make- you have like a leg, gu- like a gusset. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Like- I would make like raver pants out of my regular pants, right? Which and they looked crazy and horrible, right? And like, but it somehow was like, so yeah. now for nine hundred dollars, I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's exactly like this, you know. And so I was like that kid skateboarding because at, at the school I went to, Manhattan Center, it's on Pleasant Avenue, which is basically the FDR Drive at one hundred and sixteenth Street. So everybody would take the six train, get off on the six train, and either take the bus or walk all the way down like Lexington third. Yeah, second, no, it's first. a lot. It's a lot. Right. So I would skateboard down that street with my crazy pants, you know, and like, so everybody knew me as a skateboarder. So whatever, I'm in this, in the bathroom, washing these dishes, dressed crazy. I had also like given myself piercings that I'd done with like, um, safety pin, a safety pin. And like, didn't sterilize. There was like pus, like one under my lip. It's probably still a scar there. There was a scar for, a no, fiber. no, no, I don't see it. No, but um, and I had like a cowrie shell, crazy glued to like the end of like a paper clip that I would stick through, and then like use a stopper for my mother's earring to like. So it was like totally like, you know, thrown together, like and it was do it like yourself rave. I love that super DIY. Um, but I was like all about it, right? I was just all about. It. I got some like blue like spray stuff for my hair uh-huh. and I like sprayed my hair kind of blue which is like something that just dries and it comes out in the water but I was like all about like just acting out and being weird and like somehow like even though my parents were like super strict and not having it that was like where I was at I was like I was able to ride with that for a while so that like so I was like at my like most you know um turned up basically and so and um I was just like, you know what? Things are tough here at home on the ranch in the motel. So I'm just going to like peace out and um, just do me and it'll be easier for you guys. Um, so I balanced. I told my brother I wasn't coming back. He was super concerned. I feel really bad for him because I just like left him with like it was my, my mother, my father, my younger brother, two years younger than me. And then my two younger sisters, which were 10 and 11 years younger than me. So they were like maybe five and six or four and five at the time, like super young. Like it makes me really sad thinking about how I left everybody, but whatever. We were living in a one motel room and I was just like, like super pubertyed out, like super tall and like awkward and like, just like everything, you know, like I needed to leave. So I left and I was like staying on the train, shoplifting everything I needed every morning, hanging out with people. And so how many years did that go on? For like a year and a half, I like to tell myself before, or like a year, and then I met this dude Paul, um, in like one of those Bijou movie theaters that guys go to to have sex. Like they they used to be everywhere, but like, um, like I guess like one on Third Avenue that isn't there anymore. I think there's some like weird college vomit all over the place kind of bar there. Uh huh. Um, and um. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But like once I found that kind of thing, I was like, oh snap, like cool. Cause I wasn't old enough to go to bars and shit. And I liked the older dudes, so I was like, I, there's no. And I, I guess I had already been like um having sex in like subway bathrooms already. So I was like really kind of into sex. I was like very like promiscuous and like, just like acting out in that way. So too. when did you know you were gay? Oh, like when I was like six or seven, mm-hmm. like when I was super young, I knew. And were you actually bi? As no, you told no, your no. Brother? That's what you do. You like, it's like, Oh, right. Right. Yeah. It's like the transitional. I'm bi everybody. Right, right. And everybody's like, okay, we don't care. And I'm like, okay, so I'm gay. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and so all that happened, too. Like, I, like, told people that I was bi. I remember one day, like, actually thinking about it. Like, should I do this? Should I tell people that? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, after stealing a new kit from Blades, like, new sneakers, new pants, new jeans, new wheels, like, putting it in my backpack and, like, standing outside listening to some, um, um, like, hoo-ha, got them all in check. Like, some song like that. Like, right. some, like, Busta Rhymes shit. And, like. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fucking tell people. I, like, I have nothing to lose. I'm just going to tell people I'm bi. And I told people, and they were like, yeah, okay. And I was like. Because I was going to say, did you did you find um, that your friends, like, had a reaction to it? Were they no, surprised? Was kinda, everybody or? was kind of weird. Like, maybe, like, one or two. Like, Akira maybe, like, was, like, uh, like more standoffish. But even, like, whatever. It was, like, nobody really cared, right? Because everybody was just, like, kind of... Um, it was very like kids Larry Clark style. Like everyone was just like running away and doing drugs and skateboarding all the time and didn't know where they were gonna get their next meal from, but like were just chilling outside all day all the time. And um it was just like more like a community of like um kids just like hanging out outside downtown all the time and like who's got the free crib, like like who's rolling the next blunt? Like where are we gonna get drugs from? Um, not that I was doing drugs really at the time because I wasn't really getting high. That like still wasn't my thing. And so, so at this Bijou Theater, I meet this guy. We fool around, and he's like, um, like where do you live or something? And I'm like, oh, I'm just kind of like at this one. I had it down. I was like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of like you know couch surfing right now maybe i just learned what that word was and he's like oh why don't you come to my place and spend the night and i was like oh, okay that sounds cool i mean you know if you know whatever like like i wasn't ecstatic right and i was like okay so we go back to his place in the bronx which is on like bedford park boulevard on the d train which i knew from riding the d train right. back and forth we go back to his place we hang out i'm there for a couple of days and then i put on like the sad manipulative like doggy eyes one day and he's like what's wrong i'm like i don't really have a place to go but it's cool, you know, just, and he's like, oh, why don't you just stay here with me? And I was like, really? I mean, I guess that's okay. You know, 
again, super ecstatic. And that was my first boyfriend for like five or six years, Paul. I used to catch Paul the sex king tags for him. But, um, and that's when I started smoking weed because it was like I had a place to live. There was food in the refrigerator. I would like, you know, steal videos from Hollywood video. Um, which is a videos are a thing that you watch movies on for people that don't. Oh, know. sweet Hollywood video! There are kids; they yeah. don't know. Yeah, um, it's not. It's like a Netflix, but in person, and you buy physical. That's tapes. right. That's right. It's like a Netflix, you can hit somebody up in the head with. Yeah, <laughs> and so, but you know, back then you would like. I was just explaining this to somebody. You would, um, like, in Hollywood video, they would put like alarms on the plastic part that you would cover the tape with that uh-huh. would, like, would move up and down. And, like, if you broke that off, then you could just, like, steal the whole tape. So I had all these, like, videotapes uh-huh. that didn't have that thing on them. Um, they would charge you a dollar if you didn't rewind rewind your videotape. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it was a total racket. <laughs> but I would, like, and then I had a place to stay. And so I would, like, stay there and, like, eat cereal all day. And, like, eventually I started smoking weed. I would skate to a weed spot. So I was going to say, so were you, like, a kept man? You were like, I'm staying home because I have, like, this place I can watch TV and, like, yeah. chill? Or I'm like, That worked you know, for about like, a month, right? right. And then and he then was like, Get a job. Or my something. apartment isn't a flop house, right. you know? Um, I was like, okay. So I stepped up my racking game. So I, like, went, went racking you're like, like here, I got you some spatulas. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. And I would like go rack powders with rehab and like have like $300, right? Like, and just have money. And then it was really sad. Rehab didn't have a place to stay for a while. And he would like come over to my place after Paul would leave and like hang out. And then a couple of, t- and he would usually leave before Paul got home. But then a couple of times Paul would come home and rehab was there and he would be super bummed at the idea of like, like he liked rehab. But, like, he didn't like the idea of, like, us hanging out there all day, you know? Um, whatever. Is it, like, an Italian? I was uh, going to say, is it, like, a parental thing? Like, you lazy, you yeah. people. And so then I would have to turn rehab away when he would come through. And he's like, yo, Kool-Aid, that's mad fucked up, yo. That's mad fucked up. Because, like, we had both lived at um, this other younger graffiti writer's house, like, around Yankee Stadium. Like, we both, like, stayed there together at one point. And, um, Envy? No, eight. Oh, eight. Yeah, um, with his mother. And he was so fucked up to her, like, just like, I don't know, it was just really messed up. And I did, I stopped staying at his place because, like, I would go on racking trips with, like, Bronx graffiti writers who had cars, and, like, you know, you pay them with a jacket, you uh-huh. know, and you go to a bunch of ski shops and rack a bunch of shit, and, like, I was really good. And so I would come off a lot, like, have, like, you know, five or six jackets, which is, like, a big come off, and, like... Or more, like hats and this and that. Like, go to clothing stores and rack a bunch of clothes and, like, just have, like, a bunch of shit. And, like, I would want to keep everything for myself, but people were used to, like, no, like, trade me that or, like, you know, sell that. And I'm like, no, I just have, like, nine jackets now. Deal with it. And so one day I come back to Eight's house and, like, my Manhattan Portage waterproof um, messenger bag in teal blue, like, sky blue, like, really bright blue. It was, like, a new color. Like, that was stuffed with North Face jackets, was gone. The entire bag was gone. And I was like, where's my shit? And she was like, oh, oh, no. Like, you know, we tried. Like, they had come, like, other graffiti writers had come and taken it. And that convinced her that it was theirs or something. So I was like, okay, I can't stay at Eight's house anymore. And that's when I was like, fuck Bronx graffiti writers. They're all whack. Um, And shortly after that, I met Paul. And then 
moved in with Paul. Right. So, um, and then for some reason, eight couldn't, I mean, uh, rehab couldn't stay there anymore either. And then he was like, but you know, rehab got his own place like shortly after that. But it, it was like a little bit of a tough love thing for a while. It was a little awkward. But yeah, so I was hanging out at Paul's place all the time, sometimes racking, sometimes getting caught and going to jail or going to jail for like stupid things. So I was hanging out with derelict graffiti writers. And um, and then eventually I, I just stopped hanging out with like Bronx graffiti writers and started hanging out downtown more and skateboarding and just hanging out with people downtown more that were up on like art and movies and music and like we're like just more sophisticated. Right. You know, Um so when did when did um, Iraq start? So before I ran away, when I was writing Gunk, my friend Wack STF from um, Brooklyn, um, I want to say Bushwick. He um, like he was like my best friend. We would break dance together. I would you know I was really into break dancing when I hung out with him. And he like also wrote graffiti and racked. And he had like a lot of techniques. He was like a smart kid took care of his younger brother and his cousins. He was like very responsible and like had a girlfriend and like, they were like, he was just like, had a good head on his shoulders, but was also um, about fucking shit up. And so um, he like came up with the crew. Cause I was coming up with crews all the time too. He came up with this crew, Iraq and he had like an acronym for it, which I've never remembered. And um, he was all, um, oh, yeah, that's a good crew because rack and like that was his word that he used for for shoplifting, right? Racking, and I was like, that'll never catch on. And um, but eventually, I was like, oh, you're not Iraq. I was like, seven letter tag, four letter crew. I'm fucking shit up right now. <laughs> like, um, Break, I'm breaking down a you know, wall. You, you guys can't handle this, <laughs> right? Like, hate it, hate it. You, okay, so who were who was? Uh, who were the earliest members of Iraq? It was just me and Rehab for forever. Okay. And then Adder, I tried to put Adder down. But, you know, when you have a crew that doesn't have any street cred, every other crew has more street cred than yours. So Adder had HAA, which I was super happy to be down with. Like G and Cope had like KD, which I was psyched to be down with. And like I would push other people's crews more than my own. And then eventually I was catching a lot of tags and writing my own crew and then people were like what's iraq what's iraq and they were like and they would be like i'm down with that right and i'm like oh so you want to be down with iraq huh <laughs> hmm, i'm on to something here and so it was uh me and rehab and then i put sace down which rehab really wasn't down with because sace was a toy then and um he was such a cute little toy yeah yeah we were all cute <laughs> toys yeah um the cutest toys ever um and what about simon that was later. That was later on. He was like, um, it was like later. Like I met Sims on the street, like on Broadway and Houston. He was like painting with with SAG. He was hitting a spot that I had just hit. Um, I had painted this spot, like the scaffolding and like orange and black with a white outline. It was like a straight lettery kind of. Um, on Broadway and Houston on that thing. on that building. Yeah. Cuz that that was That was that was when that everybody was, heard about Ear Snot. They yeah, like, Who's because that? it was like what the hell? Who the hell is that? Right. Ear Snot. That was my claim to fame right yeah, there, yeah, yeah. right? And so he went up there to hit the spot after me, right? And I was like, "Yeah." And I saw him and I was like, "Oh my god, you're Sims." I was like, "Oh my god." But he was cool. He was like wearing like the dirtiest sweatpants ever. It just looked like a bum pretty much. I was like, "That's how you look when you paint?" Cuz I would I was wearing all like like fresh clothes that I'd stolen and you know 
I was like hanging out with Bronx graffiti writers where like what you dress like was like the most important thing. Sure. And so I was like, why do you look like that? And he's like, oh, I'm writing graffiti. It doesn't really matter. But then when he wasn't writing graffiti, he didn't really dress that much more fly. You know, it just didn't care. I mean, he would make the craziest shirts with Magic Marker. Do you remember those? Yeah. Oh. And he would write like polo ice or something. Like he, it was like next level. It was next level. <laughs> I, and like not a level that was comprehensible at the time. It was just like, no, dude, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he have, was like so, he was so early that to, like yeah. people, people didn't know. Well, he was older too. So like, he was like kind of past the like, I'm going to dress like the coolest kid in high school thing, which all of the Bronx kids were still trapped in. They were all still like, you know into gear and clothes, which I, um, it's, which is infectious. And like, once you get into it, it's like, Oh no, I can look. Well, dope. it's like, a, it's a weird, like tribalism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like identifiers, like, Oh, mm-hmm. we're like in the same tribe, you know? Yeah. And it was like very distinct to graffiti writers too. Like what kind of sneakers and jeans and jacket and book bag you had and hat, said a lot about um and boots you know in the winter it's like only graffiti writers sort of dress like that and then it kind of spread like graffiti writers friends would dress like that and then the friends of friends and then pretty soon it was like people who you would would not know and saw because you would see people on the train or wherever or walking around the, in, in the village or wherever in new york and you'd be like that guy writes graffiti like, right. like yo what do you write was a thing you would see somebody and be like yo what do you write Right, you didn't have to see paint on them or hear a marker in their pocket. You could just be like, "I know you're a graffiti. Just what do you write?" Um, and they'd be like, "Oh, I don't write." I'm like, "Yeah, I know you write." And then you would see them with a graffiti writer later, and then maybe they did or didn't write, but they definitely knew graffiti writers, and that's why right, they dressed right. like that's that. What, right, that's what um, informed their fashion choices. Right. Um. So, tell us about when you met. Um. When you met Young Sace. So. Like, there were, like, down to, like, I would go to Washington Square Park and, like, you know, there were, like, raver kids, right? Like, mostly white, like, raver kids that were, like, all pilled out. Um, and they would go to raves, like, or outlaw parties, like, wherever, like, way out in Brooklyn or wherever. And those were fun to go to and break night and just kind of hang out. We were too old. We missed all that. Yeah. And um, and that was cool. That was, like, fun and I wasn't really into doing drugs and I was just like down to hang and be adventurous. And like, um, I guess somehow I met like, I forget who the first one was. Oh, I, I know now. So I was hanging out at the cube. I met this girl, Mariana, who lived on seventh street, She's Ukrainian girl. She's mad cool, dressed kind of slutty, always with still money from her parents and like buy us pizza and stuff. And like, couldn't really skateboard, but we didn't care. She, like, smoked mad cigarettes. She was, like, a hoot in a riot. And she was, like, fight other girls for no reason. It was hilarious. And so <laughs> she was, just, like, one of the guys. And so um, and she would go everywhere with us and, like, just hang out at a skate spot and just, like, look pretty, like, sitting, like, on the ledge that we weren't skating on. And then, like, you know, crack on people for not landing tricks. It was, it was great. And so she knew... This girl, Amber. Oh, Amber. Right. And Amber. Lived, right. And she lived down on Stanton Street. And so I would stay in Amber's stairwell. And I wet the bed until I was like 19, right? FYI. A little side note. So I would stay in her stairwell um, by the roof exit door, like on the top, at the top of the stairwell at night. She would be like, no, you can't do it. I'd be like, please, it's raining. And so she would just let me stay there. And then I would, like, wake up in a pool of pee, right? And she'd be like, look, I would let you stay here, except that you pee, and there's pee here. Super embarrassing story to tell about yourself. But 
Those are the facts. And so um, her boyfriend was this guy, niece, right, who was up, right? He had tags. He was up and he was like super macho, younger than me, but like wore Timberlands and a yellow North face and like was like all in your face and like whatever. Papa smoked mad weed. And his friends were KS, like Glacer, Sacer, Area, all these kids that kind of went to the same school. And so eventually I met all of them and like started hanging out with them and I didn't like them um, because they were like all very opinionated about shit and did a lot of drugs. Right. Like and I was just like, whatever, like, you know, um, but they were cooler to hang out with than like the Bronx kids that I recently lost my trust. So and like um, Dash and I would like hang out a lot together because he didn't really hang out with them that much. They knew each other and uh, through graffiti. And, like, there was, like, this other kind of, like, white kid graffiti scene going on. Um, And, like, it wasn't, like, exclusively white, but it was, like... It was a lot, a lot of white kids. Right. And I, me and Rehab would call them CWK crew, like, crispy white kids. Because it was, like, so different from, like, Uh everybody else who wrote graffiti. And um, so I would hang out with Stacey and he would like always have paint, always want to go to the Freedom Tunnels, always want to like, no matter what the weather was, or it's like, yo, let's just go do the spot. Like, and I'm like, okay, but like, and we would do it and it would suck and, uh, or he would paint it and it would suck and it was just like, whatever, it was fun. Or like the elevated lines, the high line, we would go paint that or whatever, the same spots over and over again. And, um, and he was cool. And then he, he had run away from boarding school and, um, you know, we went to his mother's house once and he like, and I was like, well, this is where you live. This is so nice. You have a nice house. Cause it was like disgusting and raining out. And I um, was wet. I was wearing like a Patagonia jacket that everybody would make fun of me for wearing. Cause it's not North face. I was like, well, Patagonia is dope. Like I liked their store, their aesthetic, the colors. It was just really dope. But I would get flack for wearing Patagonia. Still to this day. You still, very, very you still, dope. Right. You still, right. Like I'm like still trading in, Jackets, because Patagonia is like one of those companies that will let you, all you have to say is the word unsatisfied. And you don't even have to be looking at the person, just hand them the jacket and say unsatisfied. And they'll bring you another newer coat. And it's just like such a great company. But I'm still working on stuff that I had stolen from back in the day, like I, like the trade-ins. I, I, I mean, I will buy stuff from them now because I can. And I, it makes me feel like a decent human being. But um like you were, you know, you were like street team marketing. Oh yeah, modeling, Dude. male model. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that helped him out a lot. Like I was just like seen everywhere all the time. Probably mm-hmm. going, yeah. Anyway, and look good in it. I might add, but um, so like we went back to his house one time after painting the freedom tunnels, and like he had like this argument with his mom and like her boyfriend, and it was like kind of crazy. And I was like. Why are you ruining this? We could have spent the night there. Like, you know, it was just like a, a, a side of like New York City living I hadn't seen up until that point. And I was like, damn, dude. Like, he just seemed like a dick. I was like, why are you like not nice? Because everything would be chill. Like, it just, because for me, it seemed like my parents were the ones that were dicks, no matter what I did. And like, whatever. I was just looking, like, judging his outsides by my insides kind of thing, like, just not getting sure. why that wasn't. Um, and wishing I had that life, you know. And so, um, but Dash and I would, like, meet up and chill somehow. And, like, and like one time I, I like, thought I saw him at Union Square. And I, like, s- 
talk to him for like 15 minutes. And I later learned years later that it was his brother, Max. Oh, yeah. Because there was like a couple of years where they were like the same height. Because Max is like taller. Mm-hmm. And so um, Max was shorter and smaller for a little while. And then like there was a time when they were like, they look like twins. And like I like had a conversation with Max. And he would do that a lot. He would like pretend like he was Dash at parties. Because Dash had like a, like he was like. Well, do you want to know something really weird? Just uh, sideline about Max that I thought was so odd. Like, Dash would wear, like, always come over and, like, want sunglasses. And mm-hmm. so I, like, was making sunglasses. I gave him a ton of sunglasses, um, take pictures with sunglasses. He had these, like, blue claw money sunglasses mm-hmm. that I guess Simon took, like, a million pictures of him wearing, mm-hmm. like, b- right before he died. And that dude, Max, like, bought them, like, a few months after he died for himself. Like, it just, it freaked me out. Like, it, it well, just yeah, was just... It was, I mean, you know what I mean? We it was just a, a strange and weird uh, ways. Right. But and maybe so, it made him feel closer to him. Like, I get it. But it's. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, um, I don't have an older brother, but if I was my younger brother. And I thought like, you have an older I, brother. No, I have a younger brother. Ah, a younger brother. Yeah. Um, and younger sister. Yeah. I mean, like. So I'm you're not, the oldest? No, I have an older sister. She's okay. like a half sister, but she's, okay. you know, a full sister. Sure. Um. But yeah, I mean, I mean, like I'm talking about when we were like 15, 16, like, um, like it was hilarious that like they looked exactly the same. And like, sometimes I couldn't tell the difference between them. And and um, what's the age difference between them? I think like a year or two, maybe. Right. Maybe so they're very years. close. Right. Yeah. Um. So whatever. But then I would hang out with Dash a lot and we would like paint a lot. And... um. Um, I mean, Dash, like Max was not an actual Dash doppelganger. There was this kid, JT, who, like, so there were, like, Dash had all these other friends too, all these, like, kind of affluent, um, Hampton Z kids, like, border school, boarding school kids that, um, were, like, friends of his that didn't necessarily write graffiti, but all kind of had, like, the same grooming and lifestyle and, like, talked like Dash. And I thought, why are they all acting like Dash? It's so weird. They act like Dash. Because I met Dash first, right? But So all the other ones were acting like Dash. And so then this one kid starts writing graffiti. And his name is JT. And he writes JT. And I'm just like, oh, my God, please die. Because um, he would just say the most, like, insulting, like, things. And in such a nice way, like, oh, is that good? I like I like Chinese food too, but I, there's this place I like to go that's like it's really clean, you know. You know it's clean when you're eating it; it just tastes really good, you know. And like he would be rolling weed, and like he would do it in such a nerdy way where he would like pick up all, like have like really ill weed, and then pick up all of the extra little like crumbs of weed with his index finger and put them into like the perfectly rolled joint, and like take like 20 minutes rolling it, and like have a conversation. I'm like, are you gonna like that? Are we smoking this thing, or is it? Or is it an art piece for a museum? Like, what are you doing with this? <laughs> when is it going to be smokable? Should I come back later or another day? And, um, and you know, he was all very, like, you know, just um, just too sophisticated for my own good, for my own um, liking. And pissed me off. In his defense, absolutely everyone pissed me off all the time. Um, which was another thing that I was useful for. I, would, I was so down to fight anybody for any reason all the time please call me a faggot so I can like fight you and then have that be on my permanent record as like, Oh, Kunle beat up this guy on this day for calling him a faggot. Now everybody, cause like stories 
were all that we had. There was no internet, and like you would just hear stories about other people, and like there were so many stories about me that people would hear. So, um, like when I was like still homeless and hanging out downtown, people thought I was a white kid because there was this kid who wrote pops, this like fat white doofy kid who was like six four or something, and just really corny, saying that he was ear snot, and um, it kept coming back to me like, oh, I thought you were white, and I was like, no, I'm not. And then people were like, oh, I met you. I met a guy who, right, he's a white guy. And I'm like, no, I'm Earsnot. And they're like, well, there's this other guy who writes who says he writes Earsnot. I'm like, you know, I get really angry. And one day people were like, yo, he said he would fight you. Like, you know, I'm like, say word. <laughs> so we met up in like the little alley behind Silver Towers, um, like between Silver Towers and that NYU building that's mm-hmm. now now demolished. Um and I kicked his ass. Um, I like hit him so hard that he like felt like did one of those wobbly like, and everyone's like, "Oh!" It was like a whole thing. And the fight itself was like built up, you know. Like people were like, we walked from Washington Square to the Silver Towers to fight, and it was like two weeks in the making, and it was like a whole thing. Um, it's like West Side Story, yeah. totally, <laughs> totally late nineties West Side Story. Um, and I totally kicked his ass. And, and like, it was like the best feeling ever. I was felt so justified. Um, and that's what I needed someone to have wronged me so that I could like be as like fucked up as I was. And it wasn't like I like, kept beating him up after like, it was like he said uncle. And I was like, okay, that's it. Everybody knows, right? Everybody saw. Okay, go tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Um, well, that, you know, friends. it's interesting because also like I'm trying to dial back and of the stories that I would hear about you. Was that like you would beat some like writer up and be like, tell him a faggot kicked your ass. Bye. And I was well, like, I love this guy. That came from, <laughs> I started that. There was this one time. There was this kid, Daz, A.O.W. from the Upper West Side and he, Albanian, total dick. And um, I mean, he knew people that I knew like Post and like all these other people mm-hmm. that were cool. But like he was a dick, you know, um, totally uh, homophobic and like, like, you know, in his defense, everyone was pretty much homophobic and said faggot all the time. They did. There isn't anyone that I know now that didn't use the word faggot casually like they do now. But, you know, I it was, was like, dude, they, they would just say, look at that faggot, this is faggot, faggot. And honestly, like, like I was thinking about it because it was just a word you used as an insult and you had no idea what it meant when you were a kid. And it was just like. Right. Oh, that's queer. Oh, that's gay. Oh, you're the you're a fag, and you didn't understand what it meant. Um, and then it was like a sexual orientation and I would dig tell people, and stuff. I would tell like people, you know what like, I mean? People like, who were friends of mine when they would say it, and like they would say it, and there it became a time like where like right now it's like no one uses it, right? And so, um, and when they do, they like can feel that it's awkward for for people who even aren't gay just to hear them say it, right? So, mm-hmm. um. So there was this whole transition period where like people were phasing it out. And so like when people would say it around me, like in the early transition, um, right. When it was like before it was taking hormones, right. Really early transition. Um, that was a, yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, (laughs) like people like Ben or somebody around me would be like, Oh, fuck that faggot. And I'd be like, look at them. And they'd be like, well, you know, I don't mean it that way. There was that whole transition where people were like, for like two years, they were like, I don't mean it. They would look at me and say, I don't mean it that way. And I'm like, but you mean it as an insult, right? Like that gay is an insult. 
that's what you're saying. Well, no, no, like, like you're my boy. And I'm like, right. But when you say faggot, it's not like you're saying, oh, look at that faggot. He's so awesome and great. It's like you're. Right. Like, you're it, using it as derogatory. It's like, diminutive, right? right, right you're right. not. Sure. You're not bigging him up. So. And then. Um, and then I, I was writing queer snot for a while because I was just like beating people up for calling me gay. So it was like, yeah, like. Come get it. Like, I write queer, it's not diss me. I dare you. Because I'll find you. I had really good maintenance skills, right? I would catch mad tags. And then anyone who dissed them, I would diss them back and diss as many of their tags I could find. I was on it. I was super on it, right? And like, so there's this kid, Daz, who was calling me a faggot and saying all this shit, talking mad shit. And so I was like, yeah, set it up. Let's do this. Like, and at that point, I was like, had fought so many people. And like, I was just like, you know, have his people call my people. My assistants will set it up, you know, um, kind of a thing. And I was like, I remember being in Atrium on Broadway and Bleecker and like wearing a crispy white V-neck T-shirt. I was working out already. Like I was wearing some ill either diesel jeans or APC jeans. I was like, kitted out, right? Maybe even wearing Prada sneakers. Who knows, right? <laughs> and like um, I was doing it, right? I was feeling it. I was being it. I was living it. Right. And so... People were like, yo, Daz is outside. Oh, maybe he comes into Atrium, right? I think that's what it was. He came into Atrium talking shit, right? I mean, you were wearing Prada sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. So say something. Say something about my Prada sneakers. I dare you say something about my Prada sneakers. But like, thugs were wearing Prada sneakers. Yeah, no, they were. But I had the fly baby blue ones. So, you know. Yeah. Um, Not the beef from Broccoli's, not the all black, but the baby blue ones. I had the beef from Broccoli's too, though. Um, just know that. Uh, so he comes in <laughs> talking shit, right? And I think it started like in the store, right? And then I was like, yo, so like come outside, we'll handle this. So we go to like the Crosby Street Alley, right? That ends on Bleecker. We go like like to that corner, right? And um, like employees from the atrium came too. It was like a thing. Right. It like was, people left the store who weren't graffiti writers. Employees left there. They were like, okay, this is done. Cause I would go in there all the time. So they like kind of like were familiar with me and like they're like, oh, it's on. Right. <laughs> South, South Park style. Um, he's going to dance back. It's happening. And so um, we go to the corner and he's talking shit. And dude is short and like skinny and like, sorry, couldn't fight. Right. And it was like, it was all lip service. Like, but he was so hurtful, right? Which I like saw as a um, a justification, right? He reminded me of like, like whatever. Well, my my like parents made of, me feel bad. Right. Now, verbal attacks. Now that like you like hate yourself, why are you looking at me? Like you know well, what I now, mean? Well, yeah, now, yeah, no, no. This is like you know, nineteen, twenty year old Kunle, right? right? Who is like his whole life is like this persona, this street guy persona. Um, you know, and so it's like that guy is like talking shit about me. I got to handle mine. So. And it was him like self-hate, like whatever. Sure, like, sure, how come people like this guy? He's gay. How are how, like gay isn't cool. He's a faggot. You know, um, that should be enough to disqualify him from people like liking him or hanging out with him. How does he have his own crew? How are people saying he has a nice hand style? Fuck that. And it's like, OK, so let's fight about it. Um, big whoop. And so it was, it was a big whoop. I whooped his ass, right? And he kept talking shit. That was the thing though. Like I would get him on the ground 
And then I would like kind of turn my back and like huff on my fingernails and like, you know, shine them off of my shoulder and like put my hands on my hips and look up to the sky like, yeah, I did it. I'm a good guy. And he would be behind me on the ground on all fours, like talking shit, be like, faggot. Like, so I would have to go over (laughs) and like kick him in the face while he was down on the ground. And like people would be like, ooh, like, oh, just shut up, just shut up. And and he would and he would like keep going. And I would and then I had to be the one to be like, okay, this is beneath me. I'm gonna walk away now. But everybody's please go home. And now you gotta tell your father, I'm sorry, but look at you. You're gonna have to tell your father that a faggot fucked you up. Yeah. Right, that's the story, the right? The hot do we line. all have do we all have the story down? Yeah. Go home, tell a father, your father, that a faggot fucked you up. All right. Um which I had heard somewhere. Right, it was like the hotline is some like thing, it's a movie I saw or something, or like maybe like I don't know where I heard it from, but I was like, that's mine. I'm using that now. So did you? Okay, so you're in this like hyper masculine straight boy world of graffiti, right? right? More but importantly, pe- anti-gay, right? A- anti-gay, but yet your friends and the culture mostly embraced you. Yeah, it was. And it was like yeah. And and it where there are these few instances where I had people respecting me and like a lot of them like kind of feared me right it was like this sort of calculated thing like you know I'm Mm -hmm. going you know the Bronx kids tried to play me I have a chip on my shoulder Uh, I'm gonna hang out downtown where it's less where it's just more like there's enough people who are intellectually uh, sound enough to you know, see what merits I have and not judge me purely based on like these like external like factors. You know, it was like I had built a strong enough support system that it was like, okay, like I'm not. So if you're going to like identify yourself, right? You're black, you're gay, you're a man, you're, you know, you have Cis- all these. Cisgender male. Right, cisgender male. <laughs> like, are you gay first? Or are you black first? Am I gay black man or black gay man? Yeah, like, like how? Okay, because I was asked this question about myself. If you were a gay black man, no, no, not about. I think it's important that all Americans ask themselves. No, but am I like, am I a woman first? Am I a human first? Am I Jewish? Jewish. Like, how? It, how do I view myself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it, see, there was a lot of. Um, and how do you view yourself? Well, like, the, it, what your what's your list? If you're going to tick off your list of well, things you are, like, what's your top? It, back then, it definitely depended on because all the scenes hadn't melded perfectly yet, right? There was skateboarding, there was graffiti, there was going out at night to like gay bars and big clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was a code switch that happened, right? I said, "Dude," way more often when I was hanging out with skateboarders, right? Because uh, there was just it was mostly about skating and fighting rollerbladers, and and did you find that? Being gay was difficult in that subculture. Yeah, skateboarding was not really skaters, like open yeah, to that then. either. Like yeah, skater yeah. said, "faggot" a lot too. Um, Supreme guys were not like uber friendly to me. Like skaters were just dicks to each other, especially the older ones to the younger well, ones. It's just dicks, period. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, because people are dicks to them, it was kind of a thing. It's just like graffiti writers. Like you, like nobody likes you because of what you do, so you just don't like everybody else, and that's just how it is. Sure. So. Um, yeah, I mean, somehow they were nice enough to me that I was hanging out and like they were like, he's got pop, he ollies high, he, you know, he does wall rides, whatever. Like I had some compliments going for me. Oh, like Pookie would be like, ear snot. Like I was riding across the Williamsburg Bridge and I saw ear snot and he would like 
taunt me with it. You're a snot, you know? And I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, Mike Tuck, that's what's up. And then, like, whatever. And then, like, I guess I was racking a lot. Maybe I'd racked from Union or Triple Five Soul, and they were like, you know, fuck that guy, you're a snot, you know, because he stole from, like, one of our stores or whatever. And I had to live that down for a while. I tagged up at somebody's party on a wall, and then they made me come back and clean it and took my debit card and maxed it out. After I come back to clean it, they were like, we have to paint that and, like, Cause I was trying to like be responsible. This is when I was like trying to like hang out and like be a person, right? Not just um, a street person, but like, you know, I was like a guy, like, and it was like, you're, you're going to clubs and stuff. And like, there's a scene, a night scene that like is like, like several years, people older than you. And you're like the, you know, the young troublemaking crew. And so um, we weren't really accepted. Like there was already, Soho thugs, right? And that group I wasn't a part of, right? It was like we were doing our own thing. There was Ski Team. There were like the Supreme Team. There was like all these other established, you know, people that were doing their thing at the time. And like the city was theirs. And we were like just like coming up. And like the younger kids liked us, but the older kids hated us. And it was a weird sort of um, period where it was like, where do we fit in? But yeah, skaters weren't like open set. There were some that were super cool. Right. And didn't care. And they were just like, you know, like how people are now basing, basing you on your merits and your talents Mm -hmm. and like who you are as a person. And um, but like, you know, it was just weird. Like Aaron was cool. And even he said faggot a lot, you know, but he was like, for the most part, cool. Um, And like even now, like I was like I was like working at the Supreme Store in Brooklyn and Jeff would I'd be like, you were, you know, because it's all younger kids that work there. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff would be the oldest and I would be like the next oldest and like. Um, you know, I'd be like, yeah, back in the day, Jeff was a dick. Like everybody was a dick, you know, he'd be like, we weren't mean to you. And I'm like, yeah, you were like, but like, I feel bad now even saying that, like, it's like, whatever, like, you know, you're not mean now. Like everybody's like, everyone's come a long way. It's, it doesn't really serve any, like, I, I, I just don't want people to pretend or act like, you know, it was this way all the time. That doesn't help anything. It's good to see that like things There's are been different a shift. now, right? right? And for because the purpose is meaningful, right? And that lesson can serve you now for the future because in like where how you want to like treat people now that are also like looked down at, and it's like, do you think we'll always be looking down at them? Like, are you going to be ashamed of the way that you're talking or treating people now? And so whatever, it's like you know. It's it's meaningful to like be as honest about those things as possible, but I don't want to like rub anyone's face in it. It doesn't make me feel any better. It's like you know, it's not about my ego or me even. It's like you know, whatever. Like, but it, but those are the facts of the situation. Like, it's shit was like you know, I had to like make my own niche. Right, we would go out to like a club or a bar, and it's like you know, like people were just like, oh, it's those kids. Like, they're annoying. Like, me, Dash, and, like, you know, Filippo or whoever we could get into a club, we, if we could get in, right? Right, because we're all underage, and it's like, if we could get in, then it's like, everybody's like, Psh, these kids are so annoying. And it's like, yeah, we were there. We were hanging out for five minutes, you know? And it's like, you know, and then it, after a while, like, they see us around a lot, and it's like, okay, like, you know, maybe they smoke weed with us or do coke with us or something, and it's like, we start to be a part of the scene, and but we have our own crew now because we had to have our own thing. Now we have our own thing. Right. And like it became its own, like we became like, you know, the, the Kings of the night on our own terms, which um, was, was both good and bad. Cause being Kings of the night in New York city is like 
Um, it's a full-time damn job, yeah, you know yeah. what right. I mean? That doesn't pay. It, those, right. those, <laughs> those skills do not pay any bills. Right. Um, and but it is like a twenty four hour thing. You cannot be like missing out on certain things. You got to be seen. You right. got to be. Right. It's it's like horrible. Um, as 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 much as it is wonderful, and rewarding. It's just like it does not give back. And so now, you've you've shifted. I mean, no. Let me take that back. I do have a jar on a shelf somewhere that is filled with cool points, coins, right? Mm-hmm. That like now sort of translates. Eventually, sort of sometimes it translates to a check for something. So it's, it wasn't all for nothing. Right. But it was like you were investing in yourself. And, right. I d- it and didn't, a lot of people right. died and OD'd. And like, you know, it, so a, it, a lot of. And in the grand scheme of things, it was totally, you know, it, it's, it just was re- the reality of the situation. You can't change anything. Um, but it wasn't like all bad. You know, sure. It was it was fun. I don't regret any of it, really. It was all fun. So I, w- I want to talk about like the your new focuses mm-hmm. and your sort of ch- change of direction with your art mm-hmm. where you've sort of left graffiti. Not that you just didn't paint something that was graffiti-esque. Right. Street art. Mural. Mural. <laughs> yes, mural's much better than street art. Um, but you're working on this incredible like portraitures when did you realize that you wanted to sort of like shed your old skin and sort of move and and you know what for me you know i feel like i know you well but i don't know what you're drawing at home i you could have been doing portraits for the last 15 years and i didn't know about it Mm -hmm. but when did you decide that that was going to be your primary focus so like yeah, 15 years ago, I was making drawings, right? Like, I, like, um, whatever. I had friends like Ryan, McGinley, Dan Colin, um, like... Uh, Art stars. Yeah, they had become, Dash, they had mm-hmm. become, like, these, like, really important people, these young artists, right? And um, I... You ever notice it's always, like, young white guys? Like, well, handsome white guys. And it's changed now, right? Like, the, the whole folk, like... The young artists, uh, the the hot artists now are like blacks and women and trans. Like that's like what people are trying to support. Really, now. women? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> may, maybe not as much, but definitely black. Yes, and, good. And um, it's 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 widening. It's as, not as it should. Like like if you're a white male, you have to be like really good right now. It's not nobody's really trying. It's boring mostly. Um, but yes, most of the established people are white males, and that's yeah. So so I definitely felt like I was on the outside of that whole thing because they got all new friends and like success pulls them away from um, feeling uh, close to you, right? So and I was like uh, fancying myself a graphic designer, trying to make well, t-shirts. You're pretty good. We're pretty good at graphics. Uh, okay. Um, I was making t-shirts, working with a live. Thought that that was a more practical. Whatever. I grew up poor. Having a job seemed more important to me, right? Like or like having like practical skills that paid actual bills. That was like a, a thing that I was trying to do, and um, I couldn't really get a job. I didn't graduate high school. I like dropped out because I ran away. So I couldn't really get a job, like for um, like Nike doing graphic design, right? I wasn't a that good and B didn't have credentials. So a life was like where I landed working in their store, making my own t-shirt line, selling it through their store. Um, 
sitting in their office, not getting paid, but doing graphic designs and hoping that something would pan out from it for years. Right. Um, and like, while like Dash and Ryan and Dan are like becoming like these, like, um, like who they are now, it was like celebs. Right. And so, so every once in a while I would like do like a drawing, right. I started doing, and it came out of like a fashiony sort of, um, idea like I would like you know think like oh I should do a uh, like you know a drawing of somebody and I would do one I'd be like okay that's cool and not do another drawing for a month and then or like two months and then try to do another one and think like oh you know it would be dope like maybe I would like look up drawings and see that like people can do like really ill drawings where you could tell the texture of an Oxford shirt Mm. you could distinguish it from the silkness in the scarf or the wool in the hat and I'll be like I want to do a drawing where I can like where you can tell you can see the pattern. You can do, you know, something like that. So I did like a couple of drawings that were like that. I impressed myself, right? I had like a little like stack of drawings and stuff. Nobody cared, right? And that was like, um, I, I impressed myself, but like I was also looking for outside validation, right? And it wasn't really forthcoming in the way that I wanted it to be, right? Because I was like graffiti writer doing graphic designs, making t-shirts. That story wasn't what people were buying back then. Right. And I wasn't really like an artist, like working on art all the time. I was in a sitting at a desk on a computer doing illustrator. Right. And tagging up and like smoking weed. That was like, those were my, that was my, that's how my day looked. That's what I still do. (laughs) So, right. There's nothing wrong with that. But then I wanted people to think of me as an artist also somehow, because I'm like, I'm the one with the talent. I'm me, me, me. But I'm not putting in the work, right? That like yields those kinds of results. So um, I got a huge resentment against the whole art world and my friends. Well, you know, it's just merchants trying to sell shit. Right. And they're, it's, it's not necessarily like based on talent or merit. Right. Well, I mean, none of that really mattered. I still wanted in. And, um, but didn't. But, like, you know, wasn't sure how it would work for me or it was just all, like, a big question mark still. And I, like, withdrew from everything. I, like, after a while um, of not getting paid, I wasn't – or not just – not really having a job but showing up to, like – to I mean, I don't know. I, like, it was nice having a desk somewhere, but, like, you know, it's New York City. You need to be, like, doing stuff. Right. And I would do projects here and there. I was still who I was, so there were still, like, some opportunities that would open up for me, like, once or twice a year that I would um, not capitalize on. Eventually, um, I wasn't able to pay rent for a while. I was couch surfing, um, and I I pulled the Geographic. I went out to L.A. to stay with a friend there, gave him a bunch of drawings because I couldn't pay him to stay at his place. We just left him a bunch of drawings that I wish I had back now. Um... Came back to New York, like went out for one job interview while I was out there, just totally based on my street cred. The other graphic designers thought they were so psyched to see me there. The main guy was like, oh, I know who you are. You were a dick to a friend of mine. Yeah, no, this isn't happening. Like like he showed, like this guy uh, showed up into the meeting, like a pro skater who owned part of the company, like because he heard I was there just to like shut me down and like shut everything down. And everybody was bummed. And it was like, okay, whatever. I tried. Came back to New York was full on homeless. The the economy tanked um two thousand eight. Right. Okay. But, but it tanked for me in two thousand six, seven. Okay. Right? Yeah, it tanked it for me really in two thousand seven, yeah. 
Right, like if you were like paycheck to paycheck graphic designer, you felt it way earlier than everybody else because people stopped paying for projects and stuff. Correct. Correct. And so I, by the time 2008 came, like um, I was barely paying rent in a place in Washington Square, uh, in, in Washington Heights. Um, and around 2010, 11, I was like super couch surfing, like owing people money for rent in a room, like people who had extra rooms were like also trying to make money. And I was like trying to be like, yeah, yeah. I like, you know, move all my stuff in two months ago, by I wouldn't pay rent. I have to move my stuff into somewhere else. Um, lost all my stuff in storage, lost a bunch of shit like art and Polaroids. And it was like a bunch of like irreplaceable stuff. And then, um, somebody like my friend Lori was like, why don't you go on food stamps? And then you would have money. Cause I was like, it would have to depend on other people for like meals and mm-hmm. stuff. Right. I was just like so bummed because I was like, I'm the cool guy with talent. How come I don't have money? It was like a total fucking head fuck. I'm like, how can this be my life? Um, was staying in a shelter at one point. Didn't want to stay in the shelter. Thought that was like admitting defeat. Like then after a while, I was like, a shelter sounds nice. That's like a place that I can stay where I'm not like up everyone's ass asking them to like, you know, resenting them because they don't want to eat right now. And like, you know what I mean? Like, so I was like, okay, fine. I'll stay in the shelter or go on food stamps. So did that for a while, then got an apartment in the Bronx, like low income building was super psyched. First time I had my own place. Um, didn't leave for several months. Cause I was just couldn't believe I had my own place. Everything is like where I left it. When I get back, I'm the only one that lives there first time in my life. And I was like 30, two or three, right? And I was like, this is amazing. Um, and started to like, you know, out of that like situation, just started to like do little, like little artsy things um, that were like corny and whack and I didn't really like, but it was just fun to like mess around and like make like little things and drawings and like. Um, Be creative. Being creative, right. With no one watching, just doing what I mm-hmm. wanted to do, right? So after a while, um I like started to post stuff on Instagram of what I was doing and like out of some need to like, so I didn't have a job and like I had this boyfriend who was like a kindergarten art teacher and he was like, you should post stuff to Instagram and like, you should like, you know, I was like, all right, fine. And I like did like this one thing where I tagged up on, um, 25, um, canvas boards I know, I have one. two inch by two yeah, inch and yeah. I numbered them and I like, and I sold most of them, probably half of them. Mm-hmm. Right. But maybe like a little bit more than half. Um, and I was like, that was cool. at like 50 bucks each. And that was cool. I was like, wow, I didn't think that was possible. And then I tried to step that game up and do like another version of that, which wasn't as successful. And then I was like, I got to do something like more artsy. And I, by this point, people were selling art on the internet already on through Instagram. You would mm-hmm. see people post things and like Instagram had already become a valid venue for showing your art. And I started like, you know, putting pressure on myself to make things to show people. Right. Like I have to show that I'm at least progressing from from that first thing I did because people would ask me, oh, do you have anything else? Do you have anything else? And I didn't. So I would just like make these giant sort of like um, textile looking things were like covered in my tag. Yeah, those were awesome. 
Yeah, and I, I I thought they looked good too, but it was like still more of a graphic designy sort of mind that it was coming from, and still sort of like graffiti, graffiti graphic design aesthetic, right? Totally right. But people were psyched. It said it's not. It was kind of artsy, and you know, it was I was like still in in the game somehow, and um, broke up with that boyfriend. Um, Met another dude that was an established artist that was like very cool and everybody knew. And I was like, oh my God, this guy likes me. This is insane. We kind of shacked up right away. Dude was sober 15 years. Didn't mind me smoking weed all the time at his place. Um, fancy life, fancy living. Um, and he called me a drug addict one day. And totally shattered the whole thing for me. I was like, things are going good. I'd like, I'd gotten a job, right, at a at a good uh, brand and store that like, um, I didn't think I could get, but was offered to me because I had some shitty job at like this um, Brooklyn Staples, um, like deli, and like I was just doing it just to fill my time. So people heard I had that job. They were like, oh, you're willing to work? Cool. Do you want this job? And I'm like. At first, I was like, no. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. I, t- I totally want a job. Started working there. Um, so had a job, had insurance. was like, you know, things were looking up, right? I was still kind of making art on the side. And it was like the best my life had been at, up until that point. Met this dude or re-met him um, at, a, at a show of Dan Collins. And, like, we shocked up immediately. We're totally down with each other called me a drug addict and that kind of blew my bubble. I was like, what? Like things are so good now. Like, cause you, once you let that cat out of the bag, it's like, I can't smoke weed in front of you anymore and like feel okay about it. Like, right. You're going to judge me in this, in this. Right. Or I'll judge myself. Like this is just not going to work for me anymore. Well, now that you're sober, are you just sober from weed or are you sober from no, everything? I'm sober. You as, don't drink. Yeah. Nothing. No, no. Eventually, um, after I hadn't used drugs for a while, I didn't want to anymore. Um, and I realized how insane I was and how much of a narrative there was going on in my head all the time that was negative. And going to meetings helped with that, right? There were other people that had the same things and they had a way to deal with it. I wanted what they wanted. Things seemed to be going well for them. And it was like, I wasn't, I didn't want to like use drugs anymore. Whatever, I got a sponsor. I started working the steps and like, you know, Think like my life got exponentially better. And it was like, I didn't really think I was an alcoholic or a drug addict because I didn't ever OD on anything. I didn't, you know, I wasn't shooting up, but I stopped using drugs and alcohol and my life got better. This is the best I've ever felt. I thought like before I met this dude, that was like the best I've ever felt right after I met him. I was like, oh, this is like the perfect, everything is perfect. But like, not like feeling like I like, um, need to escape all the time is right. actually well, you like such your life. a fucking you, relief. Yeah, and you like your life. Let's talk about your podcast. Wait, and so th- <laughs> then I started doing drawings. Let me back oh, up. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, that's right. That was the So question. I had this art show coming up, um, right? And I had this job, this great job. Um, I was doing art on the weekends, and I, I got offered an, an art show, a solo art show. I shoot the lobster and I had like all this graffiti stuff that I was going to show. The morning I broke my leg. Hence right. why I was wearing your pants because I was going to show up to your art show in your in your pants. And so like a couple <laughs> of months before the show was supposed to open, right? I knew about it like eight months before and then like months and months and months go by. I'm like working on all this graffiti stuff and then 
um, like two months before the show was going to open, um, I was unsatisfied with what I was going to show. I was like, this is whatever. It's fine, but it's not great. Like I, and like, um, Dan and Jack were giving me advice. Dan was like, basically like he had bought one of the drawings that I did way back when from me. And, um, he has it in his house and he was like, well, I like the drawings that you do. They're, they're very, you know, uh, emotional, very vulnerable. They're like a show, like a, like a, just a softer side of you and they're they're really good and i'm like yeah but those are hard to do and they take a lot of time and i i can't just do them i have to like you know i was coming up with all these excuses and i had the clarity to see like oh i'm like i should move toward this as opposed to away from it there's something there that would probably you know what i mean like my first instinct is to say no Right. And it's like, well, what am I? Saying? Well, OK, let me just. But I was like, well, I don't have the time to do it and um, to do these drawings. I don't have the time to do enough for a show. And it took a while, but I had to I came to the decision to like quit my job and like be in my studio five days a week making the drawings. I'm really looking forward to everything that is coming down the pipeline from you. Yeah, me too. So everyone stay tuned. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for um, having me on and, like, you know, letting me r- rattle on and on and on about no, things. No, no, no. The stories are uh, what makes the world go around. I obviously, obviously like to hear myself speak. Yeah. Um, Podcast coming soon. Hopefully, I'm not the only one. All right. Good show. Yeah, man. So, Kunle has re-released his very sought-after clothing line, and you can find it at Iraq, New York. I R A K N E W Y O R K dot com. Um, Kunle is in a show also this month at the Hole. I'm looking up the name of it. I'm sorry. I thought I was ready. I thought I was ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm sure you can find all of it, uh, all the information for it on his Instagram, which is Kunle Iraq. That's the important place to go. That's the place to go, especially sometimes he's uh he's nude on there i've seen (laughs) i know i have i've seen him at the beach with no no draw like that no yeah you want to see nudity you want to see nudity subtle nudity (laughs) check it out (laughs) thank you to our junior producer ariel franklin yeah of course to you brad live for you thanks to you claw um, uh, and you can check me out on Instagram. I'm up, I'm up on there too at Claw Money and at Claw and Co. And we're really sort of, um, we're revamping our whole like Claw and Co. Since I closed the store. Oh, also I closed the store. I forgot. I broke my leg and I closed the store. Yeah. So we will be relocating, but I will let you guys know when and where. For now, um, you're only found in the digital. Right. I am in the digital realm. And something called the World Wide Web. And I don't know Matrix. if you guys have heard of also that. Also known as the Matrix. Oh, known as the Matrix, right? Find Claw in the Matrix. Right. Clawandco.com. We're putting up uh, a lot of vintage treasures. And uh, find our Instagram also. It is hilarious. Hilar- Some of those vintage treasures you could get sent to you. 
via our Patreon. Oh, that's right. So also check out our Patreon for gold mines. We have um, a prize system for our patrons, which you may be getting some vintage fabulousness um, depending on your price point. Yeah. Um, either way, I'll throw in an old sock. So, <laughs> or a sticker. How about a sticker? Or a sticker. So check us out and you will be getting um, some video content and other um, stuff that only you can check out as a Patreon subscriber. All right. And of course, shout out to Acast and all the podcatchers out there. See you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.